Hello, listeners. Before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to Reimagine Work, a podcast dedicated to questioning our modern conception of work and its role in our lives. I'm your host, Paul Millard, and I have conversations with philosophers, authors, creators, freelancers, and vagabonds who are trying to make sense of this question in their own lives. Join me while I try to navigate the emerging future of work. If you'd like to read more of my writing, explore this podcast, or find ways to work with me, you can go to think-boundless.com. Today, I'm talking with Daniel Vassilo, who is a solo creator making a living by building a portfolio of small bets, as he says. He left a high-paying job at Amazon to step into a new chapter and has found some success. But what I'm really excited to talk about with you today, Daniel, is how you're thinking about the journey, kind of those deeper principles, navigating the uncertainty and thinking about all these things that you seem to really be contemplating and thinking pretty thoughtfully and long term. Uh, So excited to dive into those today. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Yeah. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. I'd love to maybe just get the cliff notes of your story working in big tech and um, you left, I think, in 2018 to go out and carve your own path. And maybe something worth touching on, which jumped out in your articles that resonated with my journey, is that you found that the learning super exciting in the first few years of your corporate journey and then it was just so stagnant. Uh, so maybe you can talk about that and just give the cliff notes of... Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I always loved uh, software and programming. I've been doing it since I was a, a little kid, basically. And I think like many people uh, that uh, who loved computers, I aspired to work in, in software. <laughs> uh, I, I, I grew up in Europe and the start of my career, I was working in a couple of small companies. But I think after two or three years, I started to realize that maybe I might be missing out uh, on, you know, seeing how the sausage is made <laughs> in the big places. And back then, this was uh, late 2000s, right? I was leading, uh, there was no social media as we know it today, but I was leading blogs of other, you know, um, people explaining what they were doing at companies like Microsoft and Amazon and Google. And I was sort of inspired to try that, that, that journey. I never considered myself as somebody who would stick in a big corporate bureaucratic place. So there was already some uh, resistance, 
But I think when I weighed all the pros and cons, I thought it was worth taking, uh, worth trying it out at least. So long story short, uh, I, I joined Amazon. I managed, uh, I got lucky through the interview process. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a lottery, but I managed to get in as a junior engineer. This was back in 2010. And um, and I think as you explained that initially I was learning a lot and seeing many different ways of creating software that I wasn't really exposed to. And that was fun and there was lots of challenges. Uh, but I think sort of the law of diminishing returns started to sort of uh, ma ma manifest itself very clearly. I think pretty much after a couple of years, I was already feeling like, um, you know, the excitement was wearing off, wearing off and the, the, the curiosity and the learning opportunities. But uh, to counter with that, the, 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 the strange phenomenon that, that happened was that uh, which I didn't really experience in my sort of uh, smaller companies that I worked for. My compensation was increasing significantly. Uh, like I was almost doubling every year. I was off I was getting promoted a lot. Basically, I was uh, invited to move from Ireland to Seattle. It was a good opportunity. This was all happened like in the first two or three years. So sort of uh, uh, one part of me was feeling already sort of the 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 impulse to change on the other side sort of my rational brain was sort of holding me back and thinking this is probably the best part if i wanted to maximize uh sort of financial expectation right you know i, I ended up in a situation where five years in i was making close to four hundred thousand dollars that which was an insane much way way more higher than i expected you know, I joined Big Tech with the expectation of just making six figures. <laughs> that was sort of my goal. <laughs> um, so uh, the fact that things were going so well, when you start thinking about um, rationally, you start thinking, oh, if, I, if I'm going to leave and do something on my own, just the first year of not earning any, any income is already going to put me, you know, minus 400K in opportunity cost. Like, and then the following year, so you'll never probably make up the gap. <laughs> But I think um, sort of to fast forward another couple of years, uh, I stuck around for eight years in total. I think at one point I realized that you, I, I looked back at my life, basically the fact that things happened quickly, I think helped me in a way that I didn't really forget what life was just three, four years before. And I realized that, first of all, it wasn't that different. Sure, I had more money in the bank, I had some, a bit more peace of mind. Um, but my lifestyle wasn't really improving. If anything, I felt that it was probably getting worse. I was feeling less motivated to, to go to work. I was working on fewer things that I liked. I was having less time to myself. I have a young family as well. I have two kids, uh, three and six-year-olds now. Right? So sort of I was spending less time with them. So basically, I was, I was realizing, you know, I can't keep, I can't keep postponing this decision of making a change, right? Otherwise, I yeah. would never make it. So long story short, yeah, I took the plunge and this is where we are. So you say that, but I, I talk to a lot of people and as soon as the money gets over a certain point, it seems as there's some balance thrown off in which they just don't want to make a change. Yeah. Like, where, where does that come from in you? Is there like a deeper... Uh, like you said, going in, you didn't expect to stay there. Um, but is there a deeper kind of reflective practice or a way you think about things yeah. that enabled you to, it seems like it was somewhat of an easy decision to say, you're going to 
do something else. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that easy. It still took me literally three or four years of between uh, sort of almost setting my mind of doing it until actually doing it. But I think I think the 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 what I started to realize recently is that I think we humans in general, right, are not really. I think we get confused by this arrangement where we have the ability to accumulate money, accumulate savings, accumulate wealth. Uh, status or other things. I think, you know, we we were probably designed to be hunter gatherers, like right? to go sort of find food and sort of eat off what we catch today and maybe yesterday. The idea of accumulating lots of stuff uh, and lots of wealth is new to us, right? So I think there's uh, that's why it doesn't feel nat- natural to refrain from accumulating because I think when we have the opportunity to accumulate something, we tend to just keep doing it. <laughs> But I think there's a limit to, um, to uh, I think like many things in life, sort of at some point you exceed that point where sort of it starts to harm you more than benefit you, right? And I think optimizing your life for maximizing your, you know, your, your, the numbers in your bank account is definitely a foolish way <laughs> to live, right? I mean, sort of there's many other things and many other dimensions that you'd be trading off uh, for that aspect. Yeah, I think you tweeted about this. You said relentless ambition is not in our nature. What do yeah. you what do you know as a European that's different <laughs> about leisure uh, than perhaps your American peers knew? Yeah, uh, good point. Yes, I think I think uh, I grew up in a in a quite a different. Like I was I was telling my wife recently. It's funny because I remember at high school. Lots of my 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 sort of my my friends used to say like you know I just want to become a postman or I just want to sort of go work in the tire shop with my dad like I mean it was very common to do sort of to to aspire to do just mundane things and back then I'll admit that I wasn't I I felt differently I wanted to do bigger things so I probably had a much more <laughs> American attitude when I was sort of seventeen eighteen. Um, but now that I moved here, I think I think again, like it's just almost taken to a to a, to, to an extreme that is unhealthy. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a. I prefer that my kids are going growing up here, like you know, where where there's a very optimistic outlook. You can do whatever you want. I, I like that 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 attitude towards life. I think the the. Uh, I, I think the dangerous or the insidious attitude is where you believe you have some potential right and your only purpose in life is just to fulfill it right you, you and I, spe- I think it's even more dangerous when sort of you 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 determine this potential very early in life where you basically don't really know yourself don't really know anything right relatively speaking right so i think uh, this idea of choosing one part and choosing it when you're like 16 17 and just take it at uh, <laughs> at all costs and you just keep you know, you just put your blinds on and just keep going in the direction is again like a, a not a great, not a very wise strategy <laughs> uh, to deal with life. <laughs> that resonates too with uh, my experience. I think I had achieved a bunch of successes and was making really good money in strategy consulting, and everyone around me takes that as evidence of, oh, you're good at this and this is what you should be doing, and. Yeah. I'm there deeply confused. Like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I'm making PowerPoint <laughs> slides. <laughs> yeah, how yeah much, absolutely. <laughs> how much of this do we need? Um, yeah, and that, that tension is, 
I think a lot of people avoid that conversation, but it's interesting. I think in the last year, more people are paying attention to that voice Mm -hmm. deeper down. I've had a lot of people reach out to me about like, what the hell is the point of all this work we're doing? Absolutely. Have you had people reach out to you similarly? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Amazon employees are notorious for like wanting to quit (laughs) at all times and then getting promoted. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a strategy and it worked with me as well. I was about to quit like two years before. And again, like I was given another, given another bag of money and given my own project. <laughs> and I stayed another couple of years. No, no, I, I think sort of this is, this is a little bit how I managed to build a little a bit of an audience on Twitter because I started talking about these things. And many people, I think, uh, uh, sort of uh, as we're talking, right, this is something that that resonates with them and they like to follow somebody who's doing it and they like to ask questions because I agree it's it's not an easy decision especially when especially when you have a family right and you have other other things going on right it's 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 um it's a dilemma uh, I, I I appreciate that but no it's I I think as you mentioned like COVID and sort of this um this, this helped people reevaluate their expectations right and reevaluate what what's meaningful like the the um, you know, and sort of ask yourself, as you were saying, like, what's the point? And <laughs> uh, and think about these things, wh- wh- which sometimes, unfortunately, we just go to life without really considering. <laughs> yeah, what what are the questions you orient around now? It's a continuous process, right? I, I actually, two years ago, right, when I, when I took the plunge, I, I, I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. I just realized that I didn't want to do that anymore. That I've written off the big tech chapter from my life. I was almost certain I would never go back. You know, you can never really say never, but sort of that's my, that was my attitude. But I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And in fact, I thought I was just going to bootstrap a, a software business, you know, and just focus 100% on that. And I evolved that attitude and mentality a lot. And I think now, sort of two years later, and it was a gradual process along the way, uh, I think the questions that I'm asking myself regularly nowadays is like, is what I'm doing improving my life or my lifestyle or, or the life of my family? Right? And I sort of, this is probably the main question. And, um, uh, and, you know, and this type of question typically helps you sort of understand what is enough as well, because, you know, there's always an unlimited amount of things I could be doing, both in work, both in hobbies, both in other things. But then you start asking yourself, I mean, uh, should I um, should I spend another four hours on this? Will it improve my life or materially improve it? And if it's no, <laughs> sort of, uh, you could just not do it, right? And I, typically when I talk about these things, people always ask like, but, but this way you will never grow, right? This way you will never learn new things. But then I think I, 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 my, my answer is, I mean, what obligation do I even have to keep growing right, or to keep learning <laughs> if, I, if I'm not enjoying it or, you know, it's not improving my life? It's sort of there's this expectation that we should always keep growing forever or keep learning or keep doing it for, you know, as if we're obligated to. <laughs> yeah, and that, that has a very corporate, people think of that yeah. in a very corporate way too, right? They think of growth as up and to the right. Right, either yes. in salary, promotion, compensation, but like uh, I've found a lot of the weirdest things 
to like grow. I, I don't know if grow is the right word are the ones that you're never going to be able to measure, right? The depth yeah. of your relationships. Um, yeah. Writing is something I've really gone deeper into as I've had space and time to explore. And I don't know if there's ever any endpoint in writing. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it doesn't seem as there is, but I think you're similar in that for me, it's like, I just want to find the things that seem to fulfill my life. One, there's no way of measuring that, which can be yeah. a mind just like that is so hard <laughs> yeah. to grasp. Um, and then just keep doing it. And then people who aren't in this mode are, can get really confused because they just want to know, okay, but how much money do you want to make? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. I think sort of if I were to put it in words, probably I think what you would, what I'd like to do is just to build my own story. Right? I think that's what, that's what really gives you satisfaction, right? a story of your life that you're really proud of and you're not necessarily growing anything uh, to, to, to the top right, as you, as you said. You're just navigating things. Right, you 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 change things. You move to other to other direction. You you still try to improve things, right? And don't get me wrong. I but but sort of whatever happens happens, right? And um, you're just seeing life as an adventure, right, rather than a competition that you're trying to win or to reach to some expectation. You know, you just wake up every day and whatever <laughs> whatever happens, you face it and you face it in the in the best way you can. <laughs> I love that. T Take me back to right before you left your job. What were you afraid of at the time? And looking back now, what what was kind of overrated to be fearful yeah. of? And maybe what were the things you should have thought more about? Yeah, I think at the time, I, I think my expectations and reality ended up being very different. I think at the time, what I feared most was I, that I was going to miss working as a team with people right, and collaborating. And I figured it's going to be very hard to replicate that kind of you know, environment that, that despite all the bad things, I think the corporate world tends to give you to some degree right, of being working towards something with a group of people. Um, it turned out that sort of I managed to, to recreate quite a bit of that, mostly not exactly it's the same, but mostly to online communities and before COVID, I used to still meet with people occasionally. So uh, I was still ended up doing uh, some projects with uh, with a partner, right? So sort of some element of collaboration still happened in my life. What I definitely overvalued and I said to, to um, that I thought was going to be very important, which ended up being completely different was um, accumulating a, a very healthy amount of savings, right? At the time, probably I would have left maybe two two years earlier if I didn't really think that I really needed to build a very, very big runway, right? So that's how I tried to rationalize about taking the plunge. I thought I'm going to have like five years worth of saving, worth of expenses saved. So if I make no income for five years, I'm still okay without really touching uh, sort of uh, my lifestyle. But I think it was a very reductionist almost approach that I, it was too simplistic right in reality i think our psychology doesn't really work that way even though i had this nice fancy spreadsheet with my savings account and my monthly burn rate and i was tracking on the line <laughs> that i was expecting i think six months in 
I think the subconscious really starts to nag you about, you know, you really should be going and finding something to, <laughs> to make an income, right? And it's literally something that starts to keep you up at night. And I think, I think this goes back to our nature as, you know, <laughs> right. as wild hunter-gatherers. Right? We're not accustomed to just live off uh, sort of, of our accumulated resources. And, um, you know, may- maybe there's a way to deal with it better than, than I was managing. But I think what I realized is that um, I think, the, at least in my case, I felt like the best way to actually deal with that nagging feeling was actually to, to treat it as more... As, as to treat my survival and this lifestyle <laughs> much more urgently. I wasn't just now planning five years in the future. I set my mind, you know, I need to make some money like next month, <laughs> right? And that's, cha- that's changed my psychology significantly. I mean, the level of peace of mind I had uh, um, as soon as I made the first thousand dollars, even even though it was far less than my monthly <laughs> bill, but it was the difference from complete uncertainty of how I'm going to make some money on my own from actually making something. And, you know, once you're making something, you start believing that you can make more of it, right? So it's like a big change in <laughs> in sort of in, in peace of mind. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that I underappreciated, like sort of the dealing with uncertainty part. So you almost had too much runway. I think so. Yes, probably. Right. I mean, it's 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 funny because this I keep I keep bringing up this thing like, um, you know, this sort of uh, this principle of nonlinearity. Like almost everything that's good for us at some point starts to harm us. Right. <laughs> and it's, sometimes it's, it's it's crazy to talk about money and wealth like that because it's hard to imagine having too much money, too much runway, too much optionality. But it really, it really happens, right? I think it really confuses us. This is, and this is not really a new idea, right? I mean, many creators and artists say that like constraints help them, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot, right? So it's sort of, um, uh, I think it's a similar thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I think I had a similar thing. I went. I did freelancing in my first six to nine months and that was a great on ramp just to like earn money and build confidence that I could like hack a living. I also realized that if I really needed money, I would walk down the street and get a job at a bar. Like we're, we have far more opportunities than we imagine. Um, But no amount of money I had ever had or saved up would have actually enabled me to grapple with that financial insecurity of not having a steady Mm -hmm. paycheck. And (laughs) it seems like the only way to experience that is to literally go through it. There's no like shortcut. There's no million. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cause even if you had like $10 million, you're still going to go leave a job. And then, I mean, what I experienced is at one point I went three or four months without earning any income. And I'm just like, who am I? What the hell am I doing? Am I a loser? Like I'm so stupid for leaving this job. And then you look around and you're like, wait, I'm biking around on a Tuesday. This is pretty sweet. Let's try and keep this going. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and no, no, very good. And in fact, I'd say to summarize sort of, um, I, th- I think I um, think uh, I think I tweeted about this. Right? It's sort of like now sort of all, my goal is almost to just not have this lifestyle, lifestyle taken away from me. Right? It's sort of 
Again, it's like one of those questions <laughs> that I ask myself. I can read it. I, I pulled it out because it really resonated yeah. with me. If you like the self-employed lifestyle, you need extreme risk aversion, not extreme risk taking. You're not trying to maximize profits. You want to avoid having this lifestyle taken away from you. Oh, that's so good. Like that's like <laughs> yeah. so me right now. I'm three and a half years in now and like I would do so much to like not have this yeah. freedom and flexibility and creativity taken from me. And I think this 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 tweet I think touches on, on a point which I think um, I, I made the mistake as well in, in, in the very beginning as, a, as sort of my self-employment journey in being probably a bit too optimistic about the odds of success of whatever we're trying to do. Um, and again, like this is one of those lessons of dealing with uncertainty that it's 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 easy to um it's hard to learn until you experience it but i think basically nowadays i i give lo a lot of weight to the odds of something working out right rather than just foolishly uh deluding myself that you know i'm good at this so it should work right and i think this that's what i meant by you need extreme risk aversion right rather than to just be ambitious and just you know be very idealistic and i just want to you know I have this big idea and I want to make it happen. I think you should probably take it from the very, from the, from the self-preservation aspect that right? I just yeah. want to survive. <laughs> what am I going to do, right, to to maintain this lifestyle? And then and then you build up from there, right? I, again, like and then I think once you have built some base of sustainability, you can take some more ambitious, more speculative risks. But you need sort of this. You you, you almost need to do it the opposite way of how many people in software tend to do it, right? Which they start with the with the ambition and they try to make it work. I think you should start with your reality, see what you have, <laughs> uh, what your odds are, what your opportunities are, start with those and then build up from there. Yeah. And I, th I think a lot of individuals and I'm, you, I was listening to your indie hackers podcast and mm -hmm. you basically were describing yourself as a business unit with like a balance sheet and like projected incomes and your spending and, I think a lot of self-employed freelancers think of themselves as businesses, and this is probably a mistake um, because that is risky, right? To invest two years in a business and like hopefully have some future potential outcome and you're not making great money a along the way, that is yeah. risky. Um, but in a self-employed path, you can kind of take the approach as you've done. You call it small bets. Um, and basically put yourself in 15 different directions. And uh, yeah. when when did that first dawn on you? I think it dawned on me pretty early because I landed a couple random gigs on a freelance mm -hmm. platform. Like one was holding a sign in a park and then I got paid <laughs> to write and then I got paid for consulting. And I'm like, oh my God, I my imagination for what's possible was so <laughs> tiny. Yeah. No, uh, similar similar story actually. Yes, I sort of I started. Um, so I started with sort of with with a very ambitious project, like I'm saying, you know, people shouldn't do. Right, something that would would um, would take years to start generating meaningful income. And then I think six, not even six months, probably four months in, I already started having my doubts. Basically. Um, originally my sort of my rough plan was that I was I, I had like a, 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 a list of preferences that I wanted to do a software business first if that didn't work out I might want to 
So like doing some consulting, if that didn't work out, I might decide to acquire an, an, an existing business. If that didn't work out, I might do a, a, write a book. Like I had a list of plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. So I started executing plan A, basically. That, that was, that was, that's how I approached it at first. Was it just business stuff on your list? Did you have preferences like for your life? Uh, uh, I think it was, I was treating it just as business stuff initially. Basically, I think it was a list of preferences of how, how I wanted to make a living. I think, you know, my, my, my life was still in the mix. Right? And, and I, think, I think my life, my preferred lifestyle informed what was sort of the priorities of those oh, okay. preferences. But it wasn't really, at the time at least, it wasn't really, uh, I wasn't thinking that's complex. And I think uh, at one point, I think about four months in of executing plan A, I started wondering when, when, when will I know when I should move to plan B, right? I mean, what signals should I be looking for? Um, what if it's, it's, it seems like plan A is working, but it's going to take a long time. What if, you know, it ends up taking too much time, right? What, what if another opportunity comes up? Should I just, you know, um, you know, and they started having all these uncertainties. And I think this is where I started to realize that, you know, I just need to have something else, like to hedge my my, my risks and hedge my my situation. And I think, uh, similarly to your to 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 your situation, I happen to have a friend that pretty much asked me if I knew somebody who would help them with some software development work. And I, I offered him, like, you know, what if I help you a little bit, like ten hours a month, not even a week, like literally just a few hours a month. And um, and you know we 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 agreed to that arrangement, and as soon as I, as we were saying earlier, as soon as I got that first check of a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, it made a big impact psychologically. Right now, yeah. now I had something to rely on. I, if I wanted to, I could do twenty hours instead of ten hours, right? Or I could find another gig like this, and I could still continue to experiment. So that's how I that 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 was the the point where I pretty much changed my attitude completely. Instead of plan A, plan B, plan C, I said let let me just do them all at once, <laughs> right? Um, and see what see what works, see what I like doing, and and I think it's a really healthy attitude, right? And there's there's trade offs. Obviously, you know you're not focusing hundred percent on something, but there's so many hidden benefits that people don't realize. Uh, first of all, I think you're increasing your luck surface area significantly. I mean, yeah. the thing that worked out the best for me, creating info products, like I made. I think I made $120,000 pretty much in, in the last 12 months from this, something that I never completely imagined I would like doing, I would make money from it, but it turned out to be completely the opposite. Highly, highly financially successful. And I really enjoy it. Nowadays, I enjoy everything about it, creating info products, talking about them, working with other people, doing them. Right? It's, it's fascinating how much you discover. But in addition to, to just increasing your surface area of finding things that work, I think it also helps with motivation, believe it or not. Right? I think it, no matter how much you like something, if you're doing it you know, day after day, at some point, you want to, you'd want to take a break and think about something else. And I think having three, four things happening at the same time just allows you to just alternate attention. When I'm fed up from this, you know, there's four other things that I could just jump into, yeah. <laughs> right? And it's just really, really good, right? For, you know, I don't feel like doing this today. I'm just going to do this. And you're still productive, um, but, uh, and you're still motivated. Right? You, you still get the energy from the, from the sort of free 
intrinsic motivation of doing something that you just want to do, not that you have to do. <laughs> right. So uh, this is sort of my idea of building a portfolio strategy, right? Rather than because I think especially people in software tended to like to look at two options. Either, you know, do something extremely ambitious, go go the VC funding route, like try to change the world, extremely low odds, like you have one in a thousand odds or one in a hundred of making it work. Like slightly the, somewhere in, the, in between, there's like this bootstrapping approach where you just want to have your bootstrap business, but it's still typically a single business, right? And I think sort of I'm doing something to, to another end, right? Where it's like just a portfolio act- of activities, right? You're just... You're looking at your lifestyle first and trying to preserve that and just doing whatever it takes uh, to to maximize the odds of, you know, of keeping it. <laughs> yeah. And what are the constraints you put on your time? I, I noticed you said you were pretty much free after 10 today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you design your workday and your time? Yeah. Um, so... So, so I, I like, I really like this part of my lifestyle design, not necessarily something I'm doing for work. I really like to just have blank and uncommitted time. Like, I, and same, it's I love definitely that. something. Yeah, it's I, I like, I like waking up in the morning and not having anything planned. You know, I said less possible. In reality, there's always I spend like half an hour looking at emails and doing. But I like to keep that as as minimal as possible. Um, just because I like this way of living, where you know, I just you know think a little bit what i do what what do i feel like doing and i browse twitter a little bit and i like let myself get inspired and which is very different this is a very different way of working from typical employment but i I feel i don't know if this is for everybody to be honest but it's definitely feels the right way for me i mean i'm almost certain at this point um so yeah in terms of time i i definitely um, and again, like no hard rules, right? But I definitely, when I'm weighing options or considering what to pursue and what to, not to pursue, is something that's going to to commit uh, me to a particular time slot or to a particular location or something like that. I would definitely weigh it down significantly. Again, like um, for, for like to give a counter example, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but I did take like a quarter time gig with Gumroad, the company, right. which did commit my time a little bit, right? but it was still flexible enough uh, that it made sense to me. And there were other conditions and other benefits. Right? So it's still sort of something that I weigh in together. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, sort of time, time is definitely something that's important in my mix of, of, of dimensions to, to optimize. Yeah, I think that's, a key insight too. a lot of this lifestyle is not for a lot of people. And for some reason there is this new space for, it sounds like you're pretty similar to me. I don't like waking up at an alarm clock. I like to just let my morning kind of like flow and then let the day emerge, which yeah. to some people that is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no, no, I agree. And, and I think, and it also just requires a faith that like a general yeah. optimistic mindset towards life, I think, underlies all of that. Absolutely. I think, I think um, again, like it's, it's one of those things that you learn how to deal with uncertainty and ambiguity. And um, I, I agree with you. I think it needs some faith. And I think you get that faith a little bit from living through it. Right? It's basically yeah. 
Um, I, I don't know how 2021 is going to evolve for me. Like I'm, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. And I, I'm fine with that just because um, I think it's a mix of, um, I think this is important. Right? I, I don't want to, to not mention that there's some comfort and that I know that, that the basics are still covered for at least another year and there's something already ongoing. Otherwise, I might be approaching it much more urgently. Yeah. Right. But I think I think it's like is that 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 continuously evolving dynamic where definitely my sense of urgency is different than it was a year ago when I was in that period where I just wanted to make some income now, right? Like literally next month. Now I'm happy to not make any income generating activities, you know, this month or next month or the following month. But I think this is something that's really, really surprised me. Actually, is that the 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 fact that my income is variable, right? I think it actually start it's starting to help me. Like the fact that, for example, December started looking like it was going to to be like my slowest month ever, like since at least for for the last thirteen months. It's pretty much st- uh, prompted me to create something new, and now, that suddenly then became one of my best. <laughs> right, it's sort of that uh, stressor, right? that helpful stressor, that sort of I think keeps keeps like the almost like keeps you in check of working enough, um, but still allowing you to not work more than enough. Right, is that. Uh, then once I got that going, right, and now, now I don't really need to think about anything for the next, next month or two. But probably by March, I think I'm starting, I will I'll start to get an, another stressor to start thinking about something more urgently. In reality, I'm always thinking, right? I'm always just looking for opportunities, looking for inspiration to strike. But I think when that urgency aspect, so there's like inspiration, you need opportunity, and sometimes you need like a sense of urgency. Like when those three things combine, it's like <laughs> what prompts action. <laughs> yeah, you're making me reflect. I created this course that's been pretty successful in 2020. And I created this two years ago, basically mm-hmm. after a stretch of three months of not earning any income. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it was both the urgency to like, oh, my God, like I'm going to have to move back in with my parents or... Uh, yeah. let's create something I actually am pulled towards and just see what happens. And it, yeah. it's kind of funny how that happens. I also have a, like when my income varies dramatically, I'll adjust the cost side. Like I'm a little more flexible with my housing and lifestyle. I don't have kids. It's just mm-hmm. me and my wife. So like when income's like yeah. going down, we'll like cut costs on it, housing and going yeah. out. Um, and then Absolutely. when it goes up, we'll scale it up a little more, but it helps keep you humble too, because you're not Absolutely. like this special person making a big salary. I, and I think, th- and this is something that I think many people don't get, right? but I think actually, I think variable income is helping me in my peace of mind, believe it or not, much more than when I had a stable income, yeah. right? I think stable income the, the sort of hides the risks almost, right? I mean... You're making so much, but you know that it could, you know, something could happen. It could drop to zero. Sure, you know, you could probably find another job. And but there's like the 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 the, the coupling between your your efforts and your income and what and your sort of what's working and what's not working is it tends to be decoupled when you're getting a steady paycheck, right, every month. 
Whereas now it's much more it's much more tightly coupled, right? I mean, I did something in December, and I'm sort of uh, reaping the benefits now, um, and um, sort of I think figuring out how to fend yourself in this dynamic, it just makes you much more, I think, robust, right, uh, to to um, uh, to uncertainty and to whatever destiny throws at you. <laughs> uh, which, 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 yeah, which sort of paradoxically helps with peace of mind, even though there's like you, even though things are not as predictable as they used to be, right? It's just this, this, this belief that whatever happens, I'll figure out something. <laughs> it's hard to wrap your head around. Do you, do you index? Do you have like a number in mind that's either like this is what I need to live a good life, or? Do you still index to former salaries you made? And do you think about yeah. that over like a, I still like mentally do that because it's hard to avoid the obvious in your head, like over a 12 no, yeah. month or 18 month basis. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I do my best to avoid it, to be honest. And I, I think I'm managing to, I'm, I'm really, um, uh, I think, I think the only thing I'm indexing, the main thing maybe at least is, Literally, very, very, very frequently, you know, almost every day, I ask myself, is this the, is this, 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 is this the, the, the life I should be living? I mean, should I be here? Should I be doing something different? And I adjust from there, right? I think, um, uh, sort of, I try, basically, I try to have, avoid falling into the traps of past anchors and what other people are doing. And even even that sometimes, like I mean, it's very cliche to say you shouldn't be looking at what others are doing. I think, I think probably it's okay to look for as long as yeah. you just treat it as just inspiration, right? I mean, I look at I look at what my neighbors are doing because I ask myself, I mean, is it better than what I have? Should I be doing something like them? As long as <laughs> it doesn't, as long as you're careful, do not let it sort of, you know, end, end up being jealousy, but just inspiration. I think it's healthy, and so. I, I think um, I'm not indexing on anything in particular apart from keep trying to keep my eyes open and not to delude myself. Because I think this is, the, this is the problem, right? This is, I think if you, if you um, when, I, when I used to work at Amazon, my impression was that many people that I, w I was working with, myself included, were generally unsatisfied with their lifestyle. Uh, they were working, you know, six, 14, 16 hours a day. They had kids that they weren't seeing. Right? They're like always as doubts. Their bosses are always asking things from them. But I think probably if you ask anyone, nobody would, nobody would admit it. Right? So I, and I, I, I fell in that trap as well. Right? For a period of time, I felt like things are great. Right? This is, this, I, I'm choosing to do this because you know, it's a good opportunity. So I think I try, very, I try to be careful not not fall into that trap right now, right where you know things are not good, but I'm just deluding myself because I just wanted to make it good. So it's probably if I were to say I'm indexing about something, is I just try to you know make sure that I'm not falling into like these logical fallacies or whatever psychological things we tend to fall into, <laughs> right? To 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 not to not end up in that state. Yeah, I think it's definitely a blind spot. I think people have a lot of insecurity about money. So if you make good money, there's a certain amount of shame in saying you're not happy. Yeah. Like you, you yeah, never want to be seen as ungrateful. And I think that absolutely that probably blocks a bunch of existential crises. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, very good point. I completely agree. And it's 
it's like one of those um yeah paradoxical things that you raise a good point around what do you work on right and i love how you're framing it you're getting inspired but you're not doing what everyone else is doing right like newsletters are popular i love writing a newsletter i've been doing it for a few years it happened to become a thing people aim towards (laughs) as i was doing it which kind of cracked me up um But you yeah. you noted you experimented with starting a newsletter and then you're like, I actually don't like this. Just because it's a popular thing to do, it doesn't mean I should actually do it. No, it's, I think the news, that actually is a very good example because um, so I started, uh, I started sort of building a bit of a following on Twitter and I, I really enjoyed Twitter because I felt like no obligation of how frequently I should be tweeting. People are just following me, you know, for free. And it was like the medium itself was very compatible with how I like to express myself and and write as soon as inspiration strikes. Then I started to sort of, uh, as you as you mentioned, I started seeing other people sort of building a, a much more healthier audience on mailing lists by delivering um, um, uh, sort of uh, content regularly. And I was, you know, a consumer as well of some good newsletters that I enjoyed. And I was starting asking myself, should I be doing something like this? But then I started reflecting and I started think, imagining myself, you know, um, either committing, whether implicitly or, or explicitly, like to, to writing something every Friday or every month. That was feeling again like this is probably not something I I would enjoy doing, right? It's 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 uh, you know I don't want to write on a schedule or don't want to produce on a schedule. So even though I I started to see the opportunity even for a paid newsletter uh, over time. Um, Sort of this was holding me back, right? And I think rightfully so, because I think it might have sort of, uh, I would have been pursuing something that I really likely wouldn't have liked. Nevertheless, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, just two weeks ago, I, la- I launched something that is pretty much uh, a paid newsletter product, right? And I think, <laughs> so this is an example where I still kept thinking about it, right? And I still kept sort of asking myself, right? Is, is this something that I, st- that that could work if I do it differently, and um, I think long story short, what ended up happening, uh, I was I I hired an accountant recently, and every month I was giving him an update about you know my new income streams and what's changed since last month, and I was writing these what looked like monthly newsletters to my accountant <laughs> about sort of my profit and loss of what I should what I'm thinking about doing next week and next month and what happened last month and what changed. And I, I was thinking, this is interesting. I think maybe, you know, I, basically I have a, a, an audience of people that aspire to do something like I'm doing. And I thought maybe my audience would, would enjoy this type of content. And I'm doing it anyway <laughs> to my accountant, probably with a little bit more polish. Uh, I could do a paid newsletter. So uh, I, launched, I launched this product called Profit and Loss, which is a mix of a, of a, of a, of a, of a monthly newsletter with some community aspects. So I basically giving like almost like almost what like public companies do in their quarterly investor relations uh, sort of uh, quarterly reports i'm giving my own monthly report about uh, my business activities and then i sort of take comments and questions and i answer everyone's things you know it's, it's the first month that i'm doing it's still an experiment but it uh, but, but basically i think it's an interesting example because i started skeptical well actually i started I started optimistic, but then I became skeptical, but then I still kept an open mind about it. And I 
find an arrangement that seems like it could work. Right? So it's a, I think it's a good good example of not writing down something completely right, and keeps test testing it uh, and uh, without committing to anything. I was checking out your circle community as well, and I thought that was fascinating, but probably not for the reasons people are expecting. I thought it was fascinating because of how you used that tool. I've never yeah. seen anyone use that tool in the way <laughs> yeah. you did. You basically created a public channel and then paired it with a private channel that you could sign up for. Um, that's like that. That's really innovative. I and I think there's a lot of potential for people who can kind of see the tools yeah. and then make them work for them rather than Absolutely. just trying to copy paste what other people might do be doing. And, and, and I think the, the inspiration for arranging it like that, again, came from my own reluctance to do things that I didn't feel like doing. Basically, again, like I was intrigued by the idea of building a community. I almost already have a community on Twitter, but it's not very well organized. Right? It's just people showing up in my comments, and I was seeing the potential. But then I was feeling reluctant to build a community where I need to create lots of channels, and I need to put content in them, and I need to think about... You know, I need to make it look active. That felt like felt like wasn't something that I would enjoy doing. So I said, let me make myself the topic, the only topic. <laughs> Just, you know, um, and it was sort of almost this spillover of my Twitter community. That's how I see the initially. I basically on Twitter, I, you know, on Twitter I can only write 280 characters. If you have if you want me to answer things that are longer, go go over here. And it started to get a, a little bit of a life. Not, I wouldn't actually say it's starting to get a life on its own, but it's starting to get enough momentum that, that it feels like people that land in there can read probably for a couple of hours of content. And then there's the other paid product, which is much more, um, which, which is another dimension, right? which I'm sharing pretty much all my financial details, like um, almost full transparency and, and all access uh, entry to my professional life, right? Where... Uh, again, like uh, it's sort of, I'm still, yeah. it's still not a completely open community. It's still the topic. I, I, in, the, in this private community, only I can post topics. People can only post uh, comments on my topics. So I, I still keep it constrained. Um, um, and, um, but I think it, it also keeps, it's all, uh, the nice thing about it is like, it keeps the options open to eventually open it up more. But again, like on my own terms, I'm not really trying to force it. That's that's something that I generally dislike doing, like trying to force something to, to happen. <laughs> I love it. How do you grapple with the moments of uncertainty still? I think, like we've talked about, the uncertainty never goes away. And there's always kind of an unknown. You have, yeah. you have some... You have like the Gumroad thing, it's somewhat stable, but I mean, that could end um, too. Yeah. How do you like think about navigating this like space of not knowing? Like, I think it's yeah. so hard to describe this. Like I've tried um, to mm -hmm. write about it, but I, I still like struggle to um, bring it alive yeah, yeah. for people. Uh, no, and unfortunately, I don't think I have a great answer again, I, except for I think it's just it's just a muscle that gets better as you yeah. use it, right? I think that's that's the, probably the best example that I have. I think, as you mentioned at the beginning, no amount of reading and hearing other people's stories, I think, would have helped me um, 
with the with the, with the, with sort of realizing how to deal with it. First of all, I think because there's many different dimensions in our context and our circumstances that affect different people differently. Um, but I think again, like it's just, uh, and and this is this is probably this is, I think this is something that this is a, something that you know the modern modern life sort of conditions us to almost try to. Uh, squeeze uncertainty out of our life completely. And we almost, I think we probably, if if we have any any instinct that sort of we're born with to deal with uncertainty, we probably lose it <laughs> along the way, just because we're always doing things to like make things more predictable, less uncertainty, like, whereas I think once you take the plunge and go into the different universe where things are just very uh, nebulous, very uncertain, I think you start to exercise another part of your brain that that becomes <laughs> that you, that was probably dormant for a long time, and I think like anything else, it's just a muscle that you you, you start you start basically becoming sensitive to other things that you never really noticed, sensitive to 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 what is actually a real risk. I think this is another mistake like that people make when they're in a steady job. I mean, the, the risks that people see are very different than the risks that I see right now. Right, they're not really the risks of. Um, you know, uh, I, I am not really exposed to the risk of, you know, ending up homeless or whatever, right? Uh, whereas um, uh, sort of people tend to bring that up sometimes when they're like leaving their job, like what if I get financially ruined? And I think it's easy to protect against that outcome, like because there's fallbacks that are very likely that you can fall back to. So I think, um, yeah, it's hard to explain, but I, I think I think if I were to give one general piece of advice, probably something that would probably help lots of people, even if they're not really yet willing to take the plunge and just quit completely, it's probably just to take a one-year sabbatical, right? Or try to one-year paid time off, try to find that arrangement, and just have nothing planned, right? Not to, don't 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 do it with like you're going to spend like the first week doing this and saying, but just go in just jump into the unknown yeah <laughs> because i think then you start to discover what gives you motivation what gives you energy what you dislike you're not you're not you haven't committed to any anything right so you start sort of bump, bumping around and you start sort of exercising this ability to discover uh, things about yourself things about what you're good at doing things that are viable the probability of things again which like we almost lose lose the ability to to evaluate uh, uh, you know, when, when we start to uh, eliminate uncertainty, because there's no point in thinking in probabilities if everything is predictable. But once you're in this unpredictable world, should I do this or that? Well, what's what's the most likely thing to work? And I think, um, again, like I, I did this mistake in the beginning. I was too too optimistic in the beginning about you know what will work. Now I think I'm much more calibrated. Know that I've sort of suffered some losses <laughs> on my own skin, <laughs> and I see this with many other people. Right? I I don't think this is, I'm generalizing too much for myself. I think many people probably it it makes sense to you and people like us right, that have sort of done this journey for a year or two. Right? That that you start seeing them much more sensitive, much more aware of probabilities of how to deal with with the unpredictable. I love the idea of one year break i think it is probably more important to do than people think thank you yeah. and i think doing it in your 30s is an incredible time to do it 
or at least somewhere after your 30s because your ego brain has slowed down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you may have built some skills and um, you kind of know the people in your life that mattered to you. And it, it gives you a mo little more stable foundation. But almost 100% of the people I've talked to who've just taken a sabbatical have stuff open up in them about what they're interested in, what matters to them. Uh, that surprised them. And mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's just sitting there for people. And I, I, <laughs> I want to help people navigate that if they do mm -hmm. want to take these leaps. But yeah, me and Daniel, yeah. me and Daniel are <laughs> saying it's worth it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think I heard it first. I think probably somebody that popular uh, made this a bit more popular was Tim Ferriss, that in the right. four hour work week, he recommends this like this, take an advance from your retirement, right? which is an interesting idea. Instead of just, you know, retiring at 65 and you take it all in bulk, take a year from the future and do it now, which I think is an interesting way to think about it if you want sort of like a way to reason about it. Yeah, and I, I pair that with a, like if I'm losing money, I just say that's a gift from my former self. Exactly. So my, yes. <laughs> my former corporate self is gifting me so, money to take a pre-retirement. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love it. Well, Daniel's written a ton. I suggest checking out his site for longer form details and some of the nitty gritty. Uh, you also have a great podcast you did with Indie Hackers, which I think goes into more of the details around building some of the products and the logistics mm -hmm. and the money behind that. Uh, but I'm glad we were able to nerd out on some of the deeper life side things of wandering into the unknown, the pathless path. So where do you want to send people if they want to uh, connect with you, learn about some of the things you're uh, experimenting with? Yes, I'm mostly active on Twitter. So I'm at Divasallo, D-V-A-S-S-A-L-L-O. I sort of, uh, I, I like to share my journey as I'm living it, right? So um, it's probably the best way to connect with me. Uh, but I have my personal website, divasallo.com. I have a few other places for people who might want to reach out in different ways. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Reimagine Work. I'm having a ton of fun doing this podcast. One friend even reached out and said it's like a really professional coffee chat conversation from business school. I'm not sure what to make of that, but I'm going to put that one in the positive column for now. If you have feedback for me similar to that, I'd love to hear it. Shoot me a note, reach out, message me on Twitter. And if you want to support the podcast, you know how to do it. Go to iTunes. You can give it a rating. You can share it with a friend. And if you want to offer a financial contribution or gift, you can do that in the link in the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a good week. Thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50000 which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community. 
which you can find at pathlesspath.com membership. And you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.